Okay, here we are for episode five of the Endless Overtime Podcast. It's been a very eventful week since the last episode, and as of today, which is October 1st, 2022, we are only three days away from the launch of Overwatch 2. And, uh, what is it? About a day away? Yeah, it's a day. A a day away from the death of Overwatch 1. Servers will officially shut down on October 2nd. my fault for forgetting but uh yeah Uh, so you know got to be without overwatch for a little bit but that's besides the point suppose it's time to introduce my lovely co-hosts don't have quite as big as a crew as last time before but uh this time we have giza say hello to the people Hello. She can speak up when she wants to. Hello. I need to yell at it. Am I too far? <laughs> you did fine last time. I was just making a, a cheeky comment. <laughs> and uh, the uh, ever opinionated booty cutie queen. Hi, it's me. My real name is Mina. <laughs> yeah. So this is all we got on the crew today, but that's fine. We have a a large list of things to talk about, so I'm pretty sure it'll still go just fine. Uh, I suppose we can start with something a little small this time. Forgot to mention it before in the last episode, but we officially got to see the new map, which is a push map called Esperanza. I think it looks nice, even better in some of the recent gameplay we've been able to see, but uh... What do you guys think about it so far? To be honest, go ahead. I I was just saying, like, I like that I saw so far. I mean, a lot of arches, a lot of white buildings. (laughs) But other than that, I mean, I won't really know until I'm on it. Yeah, it's like a super pretty, like architecturally rise, the design of it is super nice. And honestly, the thing I'm most excited about is being able to get into that bakery that was in the teasers and like just destroy the shit out of the bread. I didn't see a bakery, but now I am equally There is a bakery. I'm equally interested in destroying the shit out of the bread. But, I judge Overwatch maps by how breakable everything is. Do you? Yeah, the more destruction I can cause, the better. Fair enough. That's not, not a bad measure. Um, personally, I'm just looking forward to all the flanks because I've heard quite a few of those. So I'm just looking forward to see what that. kind of spot lines we can get. What kind of what? Sight lines we can get. That's a good question. I, I, I don't really know too much about the sidelines. I just heard about the flanks. But that ends all the small news, I guess. And we'll get to them eventually. One of the important stuff, like the Blizzard's Defense Matrix Initiative. Now this, this is going to be in place to, you know, help prevent things like cheaters and smurfs, which 
starts off, of course, with their SMS protect. So now every account needs a cell phone number and no two accounts can have the same one. And also prepaid phones don't work. So, you know, if you plan to play Overwatch 2, you better go ahead and get your account set up with your phone number. Thoughts? That's going to be tedious for certain people who are like me. Tedious. Tedious why? I don't know. I just hate doing stuff like that for to play a video game. But I get why they put that in place. Yeah, it makes sense. I do feel kind of bad for some of the people in other countries who, like, their main phones are, like, prepaid and stuff. But... If they didn't do that, it'd be way too easy to just, you know, make an account whenever you want. Yeah, the bad thing about it is it is a really effective way to prevent smurfing, but it's also a little classist because there's it, they the whole point of making the game free to play was so that it was available to more people. But then adding the SMS and not including prepaid phones kind of just cancels that out because then there's people who rely on prepaid phones because they can't buy a phone like all at once for a thousand dollars or keep up with like a monthly payment plan and they are living on that kind of day to day and like for younger kids who don't even have their phone yet they're kind of screwed too unless they're using their parents number which is you know i guess they could do but still a little awkward especially if their parents are playing oh yeah dude could you imagine Sorry, kiddo, you can't play. Omi already has her account set up. For real. Yeah, so... On the, on the other side of that, though... I imagine it will cut down on the Smurfs, so... Well, sort of. Anyone who has, like, a family member who they know won't be playing Overwatch can probably use their phone number. But aside from that, you know, hopefully we'll see less of them in the game and people will stop caring so much about them. How often do you think you're going to have to, like, re-verify your SMS? Do you think it's going to be, like, a one-time deal? Did they confirm that yet? They haven't confirmed it yet, but I, I imagine it won't be often wow actually i don't know who knows dude if i had to confirm every time i logged on to play i'd be fuming i don't think they'd do that it has to be like just that initial like link i imagine right? maybe I'm... We'll, we'll see we'll see honestly we won't know enough until you know three days from now but on top of that, also part of the Defense Matrix initiative is, of course, the machine learning and audio transcription. <laughs> so basically, this is going to let them temporarily collect voice chat recordings for analyzation about potentially disruptive behavior. Now, these recordings will be deleted within 30 days, and it requires a player to report another player for the audio system to go back and, like, you know, analyze their audio. But uh, some people... Some people feel like this is a blizzard overstepping their bounds. What do you guys think? Part of me does think that, but another part of me is like, you know, that could actually add some confirmation if there's people like false reporting, and that could also help 
like toned down with the overt like racism you can experience on Overwatch sometimes that comes with the toxic environment around the whole gaming community. Um, yeah, but there's been times where like, it just takes one person talking shit on the mic to ruin a whole game's morale. And that can super affect your ability to like win or lose. I agree with that. True enough, I suppose. Ultimately, I don't mind the change too much. Pretty sure there are other games that do this. I can't think of them right now. Actually, does Valor do this? Valor might do this. I think it'll work, and I don't too much care for whether they can analyze my voice and stuff. I don't. It's not like I say anything important when I'm in the game. Like, genuinely, what do people think they're going to be talking about? Like in the game, like their social security number, their address. You're probably gonna that would make be random callouts. And if you say any of that stuff in a game, in a team chat, Blizzard analyzing it and getting that information is the last thing you have to worry about. Yeah, at that point, it's just all the team members like listening. If I ever hear someone drop their credit card number, it's over. I'm buying myself a whole new fit. <laughs> Don't admit that on the podcast. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, Mina's into um, identity theft and all that. But aside from that, it's just a hobby. Of course it is. Of course it is. Isn't it for all of us? My real name is Cletus, but you didn't hear that from me. (laughs) Well, yeah. Overall, I'm liking these changes. It also comes with the added benefit that Blizzard officially has a team of netrunners at their disposal. But uh, jokes aside, that's just a, they got a team there called their anti-cheat team that they reverse engineer cheats. So, you know, one, I imagine that's somewhat of a cool job. Just, you know, watching a cheat, maybe playing with the cheat, figure out how it works, and then tearing it down from the end to the beginning. That, that, that's actually kind of cool. But overall, I'm liking the new changes and the aggressiveness they're taking towards protecting the users from cheaters, smurfs, all that kind of stuff. So I'm happy with it. But moving on from that, somehow even more controversial than the thing before, which I think is just people being foolish and over-exaggerating. I don't even think people read it, honestly. Does it officially reveal their first-time user experience or the FTUE Wait a minute, I felt like a Genshin reference, ignore that. Um, So yeah, so the first time user experience for brand new players post launch of Overwatch 2, that's important. If you happen to buy the game literally like today, this won't apply to you. If you own the game at all, this doesn't apply to you. And I think that's something people are missing. This does not apply to you if you have the game. So. First time user experience, new players begin with access to a limited set of modes, heroes, and other restrictions to onboard them more gradually. I don't know how many modes they don't have access to, but I did hear the official number of heroes they would have access to upon launch is 13. That's still a decent size for the for the roster. 13 out of what, 
gonna have like 35 at launch that's a decent amount of heroes to have at your disposal and you will be able to unlock all the heroes gradually within like 100 levels i think something like that let me see yes no not 100 levels sorry that does sound a bit long you can unlock the heroes gradually over the course of 100 matches and before that which they call phase one i, I skipped right to phase two because i mean you really care about the heroes that's what's important but phase one of the experience rapidly unlocks all game modes and the ability to chat in the game so you know when you're brand new you get locked out of chat that i'm not gonna lie that's kind of funny but <laughs> that's just me just blizzard looks at you oh you're a new player silence that's that thinking for people who are doing like smurfing though that's just another hurdle for them to have to get through every time exactly. they restart the game exactly which i think one that's good and that's very good and two the way i look at it this this seems like a really a really good idea personally just because uh side tangent i this week since its release i've been playing some Gundam Evolution. I love Gundam, and it's like a slower Overwatch to me. Even though I have a general idea of how you're supposed to play those type of games, just getting into it, it can be confusing and overwhelming. Like you don't know what these units do, and you don't know how it interacts with the enemies or what their abilities are sometimes. And you gotta go through this whole process of maybe just sitting in the training area, figuring like going through all the all the playable characters one by one and figuring out what they do and you're not going to remember that not in the not in the heat of the moment in the game and then the aiming feels weird everything about it is new you don't know the maps you don't know the, the, the characters you don't know what's good and what's bad and that's only with like a a roster of i think like maybe 15 to 20 playable characters in gundam evolution i could be wrong but I didn't like sit there and decide to count them all. Anyway, it's it's small in comparison to Overwatch. I know that much. Imagine that with 35 heroes with a bunch of interactions. Or worse, in a game like League, where you have hundreds of heroes. A first-time user, they're just gonna. That's gonna be a lot. And honestly, that could probably push some people away from playing. So I think this restriction to slowly get them used to the heroes and the game and more of those things is a great. It's a great point to like go forward with and for some people who don't want to be involved with that maybe i don't know why they wouldn't want that that just seems like a better thing to do if you're brand new with the game but you can buy the watch point pack which you know you get a bunch of you get a bunch of stuff that you know kind of helps you get into the game i think you get the battle pass the premium one and like thousand of the virtual currency or whatever that's not important the important thing is you get the original game on top of that and you know then you get access to all the heroes or you can team up with people who already have the game because all the restrictions and stuff are disabled when you're in a party with friends it's kind of blizzard's way of saying we don't have to teach you because your friends are teaching you and then when you leave that party all the restrictions are put back on uh -huh. that sucks 
I mean, it makes sense. If you only play for like a day, you're not going to learn the game in that time. But what if you like, say you play with your friends for like a month straight and then you leave and try to get home by yourself? I imagine you still do the 100 matches even though you're playing with your game, with your uh, friends. It counts? I would hope so. If oh, okay. it didn't, that would, be, that would be silly. But I'm hoping Blizzard had the oversight to think, you know, if they play 100 matches with their friends, they should still be pushed through because you're gaining the same experience at that point and you're probably having more fun doing it right i would imagine you still have like all the stuff unlocked by the end of that it's just that you have to wait beforehand yeah and i think a lot of people who are critiquing it negatively are like people who had played overwatch one and just thinking about it like as, from the perspective of first user, uh, first time user experience. Like, when I started playing, we didn't have anywhere near as many heroes as we do now. It was the same for us, and arguably even longer to unlock heroes as they came out. I'm sure, that's going to increase in Overwatch 2 with more heroes coming out with every other battle pass, but like, just being able to slowly learn a select group of heroes, find what works for you best, instead of like manically trying to play them all at once and just not actually gaining any skill on one because you're too busy trying to try them all out, seems like a better overall plan. Mm -hmm. The paradox of choice is real. Yup. Yeah, very smart to just limit the amount of choices they have because then they'll probably be probably be more happy with what they end up playing yeah. at least that's my are, th are they gonna start them off with like lower skill gap characters like low to medium and like lock off the higher ones or is there gonna be a like a wide range of characters available for first time users they haven't they haven't named exactly which characters will be available i just know that it's only going to be 13 on the hero roster so i'm going for back traders so I, I imagine I imagine Tracer's gonna be playable. She's the face of Overwatch. So I imagine Tracer. I'm sure yeah. Mercy. Yeah. And I bet Reinhardt. At the very least, those three will be playable. Yeah, I agree with that. And they'll probably have Soldier just because that's the easiest transition character from other shooter games. He's just a man with rifle who go burr and shoot rocket. So, yeah, it's probably. I'm thinking it's probably going to be the original, like close to the original roster of Overwatch One. I mean, even with the original roster, we had like twenty something heroes. So, but but yeah, so definitely Soldier, Tracer, Reinhardt, Mercy. I bet those two at the least. They might have. I bet they're going to have Torb. Maybe things get. I hate it when you try and figure out what supports they're going to have because. Well, supports and tanks because those those classes are so small so really is it just people going to be spending the majority of their time unlocking all the dps heroes which i guess if you look at it that way depending on the type of player you are this means very little to you because you will i mean unless they like really space out where the supports and tanks come in and the unlocks you'll have all the supports and tanks unlocked before the dps and you'll get your full amount of fun early anyway. But yeah, for the most part, I'm just curious how they're gonna manage that with 
how the supports and tanks have far less heroes in their in their roster lineup than the DPS do. But still, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll enjoy the game. It's whatever. I also think that the people who are complaining about this, who are from Overwatch One, like I think they're just projecting because they're thinking of the game after having played for six years now because their main arguments usually consist of oh well, they won't be able to hero swap or they won't know how to counter thing counter things and first of all most people don't hero swap anyway so that doesn't matter and second of all a new player is not going to know what counters what what comps are good what meta is in this game how the maps work in the first place which game modes do what and how to like properly play them or whatever new players aren't going to know all that stuff so thinking about it with the brain of a like six year in player who's like well if all my characters were locked and i went in there i'd be furious that doesn't make sense because they don't know better and that's for their benefit yeah i suppose that's most of the stuff around I guess the, the heroes being locked away in the FTUE. But another thing here. And this this relates to competitive actually. New players must complete a specific challenge to access comp. And that is that they must win 50 quick play matches. I don't know if that's easier or harder than 25 levels. Although I I suppose it's it's harder. To win 50 quick play matches? They have to win 50 of them as a new player. Yeah, and that can depending on your win rate, that can be anywhere from like if you're top tier, like 60 matches all the way up until like what, 150? If you're in the doghouse. Yeah, could be. Well, I'm just imagining all the people in bronze just struggling. That's rough. <laughs> oh, but I mean, throughout this whole thing, it should be calculating your MMR properly. So, I mean, they should be fighting other people in bronze. So maybe their win rate will still be kind of like 50-50. Maybe. It's a hard maybe, but still. So, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe all this will just kind of like even itself out. This is why I'm wondering if it's easier or harder than 25 levels. I think it's just different. I mean, like I say, it depends on your skill level of um, how often you're going to win your games. And sometimes, I mean, if it's anything like Overwatch 1, it's also going to depend on what role you're queuing for. I don't know. I'm just 25 levels is relatively it's tedious, but it's relatively easy. You don't have to win. You don't have to lose. You just need to get the levels up. The 50 matches though, that that part in particular for Smurf is probably gonna be well no, no actually that might ruin Smurfs. Yep. Because then they have to sit there and calculate whether they want to win a game or lose it to like keep their MMR in line with something. 
but they need to win these games and have access to comp, which the whole reason they're smurfing. That might be a horrible punishment for them. That kind of sucks. Oh, unlike the the unranked to GM or bronze to GM challenges are gonna be so difficult at that point for the people who actually like can still do them because you know the phone thing. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just harder now. Never mind. I retract my statement. Next up, I suppose we have the endorsement changes. Oh, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, it's, it wasn't a whole lot of information, but it's a single endorsement category per match, and you can only endorse those on your team. I don't understand category per match. Me either. Like, yeah. So that sounds like it could go either one of two ways that you can only endorse one person per match or you can endorse one person per, per category shot. Uh, what is it? Shot caller, effective communicator, and what's the last one? Uh, A caller, good teammate, and... And support. Yeah, so... You, you might still be able to have three endorsements, you just won't be able to give every single person like the easy pick of good teammates. Or maybe there's no such thing as like, say, support and shot caller anymore. You can only endorse people as good teammates. And maybe that's what they mean by category. I don't know, it's pretty vague. We won't know until we get our hands on it. Yeah. That, that does feel vague. Can only endorse those on your team, though? Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Sometimes I, like, just have respect for someone on the enemy team more than I had respect for my teammates because sometimes your teammates are just... They're just Poo -poo bad. They're, yeah, they're just bad sometimes. Just poo -poo -noo -noo, as, as Giza says. And you just don't want to endorse them. So I don't know. So, that's a little unfortunate, I suppose. Yeah. Moving on into the more, yes, yeah, suppose. Yes. The general chat is also being removed from the game. Yeah. What? Thoughts, opinions. What? Wait, really? like. Like general chat as in both teams? No, that's match chat. General chat is like that, like the white chat that's just on the. Oh, oh that weird one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. is the weird one. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, rip, like, I don't care. Yeah, it's like a lot of random shit goes on there. I, I like always people, feel a weird thing. People advertising their Twitch, saying blue things just randomly. 90% of it's Korean and I can't even read it. Seriously, I don't know about ninety-eight percent. I see English stuff, but still, it's a lot of it is a lot of like. I see a lot of Korean there, and just just I don't complete. It's like what what is the point of general chat? Honestly, it's like I was about to trade cookie recipes with someone once, but I got cued. Well, see, now we can't get rid of it. I need these cookies in my life. Yeah, you just like have Wait, what kind of cookies are we talking here? I don't remember. 
game. Uh, yeah, if you remember, we could have just looked it up and found one, but it is what it is. Cookie recipes are not that simple, my guy. I mean, sure they're not, but I can't imagine you still wouldn't be able to look up a cookie recipe based off the name of the cookie. This person could have had a god tier cookie recipe that you can't find online because it's been in his family for like 20 generations and Michi missed out on it. It's a shame. Grandma's putting the cookie recipe. Exactly. Hey, I guess we really missed out on the most important cookie recipe of our lives. That is unfortunate. We're just gonna have to carry on and make better decisions in the future. These cookie recipes will be obtained next time. In the middle of a match, everyone's just gonna stop and won't sit there and trade cookie recipes because that's what's really important. Not SR. Not the win or the L. Cookies. Cookies are life. Moving on. People are debating whether pink system is better than voice communication. And I think, to some degree, it is. Oh, As someone yeah. who doesn't even use voice communication, I agree. Yeah, I have no clue how many times I've done a like a verbal call out and I'm like looking in the correct direction, but I'm really stupid and I say left, but I really meant right. Uh, don't have to worry about that too much anymore. Back from things like that, they're also just like bloat information when you're in voice calls and voice comps sometimes. Like they'll tell you the right thing, but they might say more than they need to. And then maybe you die. Who knows? Or like, also, some people just have like weird Overwatch slang, and like they'll say something. And I'm like, dude, use English. I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. And then they die, and I'm like, well, <laughs> nah, you, you <laughs> couldn't you help. Gotta me. grind more and watch some Overwatch League, and you'll understand it all. Wah wah wah. Hey, hey, look, look, look. It's the Cool Kids Club. You gotta, you gotta participate to understand and be welcomed. But yeah, pink system, I think it can be better. It's the simple ability to be able to just like go look in some random direction and say I'm attacking this or ping an enemy. That's lovely. I miss doing that in the beta. That was great. Just knowing where things were, who was around the corner, never get jumped by a reaper again. Unless your teammate's an asshole and didn't ping them. But that's besides the point. So in general, I guess yeah. it's that ping system is the superior communication system. It's gonna make it a lot harder to flank, that's for sure. As someone who flanks, I can attest to this. Granted, I'm also not as big and loud as... Uh, Mr. Swings Hammer really hard guy. But uh Yeah, maybe maybe for tanks flanking's gonna be hard. Oh yeah, for sure. Because they're just they're just, they're just large and loud. And slower for the most part. That too. But, but uh, I'd be fast and agile most of the time. Yeah, and 
considering you're cutting down to a one tank comp, uh, being a flanker tank is gonna probably kill your whole team before you can do anything. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you're good, it's a difference, but who knows. Uh, speaking of that, they murdered Doomfist. Again? Peace. Yes, again. Shortly after Joff Goodman left, I guess something happened in like that little creator summit thing they did, or maybe he wasn't going at this point, I don't know, but that little creator summit where they got to play Kittyco and do map and stuff early. Get Quaked on the resident Doomfist main of the Overwatch space. Played Doomfist and found out that they took away two of his techs, which was the stair slam. And I it was either the stair slam and the turn slam, or the stair slam and the super slam. I think it was stair slam and turn slam though. And simply by taking away those two techs, it had like a cascading effect of getting rid of a bunch of other techniques that relied on those and now doofus can't do any of his fancy stuff anymore so he's just kind of that he just plays like winston now from what i understand and i don't i didn't want to play another one granted i didn't really want to play tank doom in the first place because dps doom was more fun to me personally but yeah he's officially been neutered Apparently. Yeah. So, you know, rest in peace, Doomfist. <laughs> you will be missed by me, most especially. They have to rework him because at this point, he's not even an effective tank, to be honest. He's not. They need to just put him back in DPS and take away his stunts. I will advocate for this until the day I die. I feel like they're. I was just going to say, I feel like there are ways that you can make him a pretty decent tank. Like, you can, you could make it to where he does have the ability to block damage, but it's a little less personal and make it a wider range. Yeah. Also, he, he could, I was just going to say, he could hella use a, a health boost if he's going to be taking, like, the way they want him to play. I kind of agree. Granted, you do just get health from using your abilities, so maybe he yeah. doesn't need a health boost. Maybe people just need to get good. But at the same time, you take away all his pecs that have that you know help him get out of sticky situations. Uh, who knows? But yeah, hopefully they don't keep him a tank. But if he does stay a tank, then they yeah I think they need to invest in like allowing him to tank for more than just himself. Honestly, Tracer still destroys him alone. I also hear that from the people who've played the new Sombra, that 0.75 seconds actually did make a difference. So now, I guess, she is also a legitimate menace to him now. Yeah. She's apparently a legitimate menace, and apparently what a lot of people are doing is they're playing the new Sombra along with Kiriko. And uh, they're just like wiping ass on flanks, from what I've been hearing. Yeah, I, I've heard similar things. You just pair those two together, and the whole game, you just get to run around in the back line and assassinate people and then get away for free. That's ridiculous. 
gosh, maybe they can, uh, I'd say maybe they can fix that by not letting Kitty teleport to her when she's invisible, but that seems like such a cop-out thing to do, and pretty silly, I don't know why that would need to happen, so, it is what yeah, it is. It would just be the one character. It's kind of like a situational based thing. Like I could get if you made it to where Kiriko couldn't t- teleport to other characters if they had like an invulnerability such as Moro or Reaper. But if it's just Sombra, that is kind of a dick move. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't see them fixing that. And honestly, I think it's really only going to matter for people in higher level because watching some of the Kitty Go gameplay that's come out recently, which I guess we can move on to that, just Kitty Go and her gameplay. She does seem quite hard to play, and I can't imagine lower-ranked players being able to hit the shots that the higher-ranked players that they're watching can. So while we all see get to see ML7 and like 50 here, and other people just team up together and wreck shop, we're we're not we're not that skilled. It's not gonna happen for us like that. You're probably for just yourself. gonna follow your sombra and die. <laughs> what do you say, Gizu? Speak for yourself. I'm an aiming god. Okay. <laughs> no, I keyed. I keyed. No, no, no. You've headshot me plenty of times on Widow and I won't be once. Yeah, but that's, that's not the slow projectile moving. <laughs> Kunai. Me on Hanzo as well, which I think the Kunai is only slightly faster than Hanzo's arrow. It's somewhere around there. It's like around the speed of Hanzo's arrow and Zenyatta's orb. So I, th- I think you'll be fine. I think it'll definitely be interesting to see what it feels like when you finally do get her shots in, in your hand, you know? Yeah, I genuinely am excited. That's probably going to be the support I main after I get good at her. And I guess now I actually have to start genuinely aiming for headshots because I didn't always just do that before I would do it when I thought I could get away with it but on her I guess you kind of just need to aim at the head or else your damage is like limp noodle types of damage there but seeing her in action has been quite a sight to behold especially her ultimate that just feels ridiculous I've seen it paired with so many things like Kitiko and Nano boosted Bastion in his like uh, minigun mode, just moving forward and mowing down enemies. His bullets getting faster and faster with each passing moment. That's rough. Yeah, that was that was a rough thing to watch. Uh, then Kitiko plus a dragon blading Genji. Let me like the, the worst restriction. The worst thing they did to Dragon Blade, of course, was nerf it from eight seconds to six seconds. Those other two seconds really counted, but really the main reason they would count was because the extra swings, for the most part. Well, the extra swings and yeah, the time too, because just when you think it's over, you still have a little bit more time to Dragon Blade. But with Kiriko's ultimate, you're gonna get more swings in less time, and that's that's scary. And I imagine pairing that with a nano boost too. I wonder if like melee abilities are going to be affected by the new DPS passive. Like, could you imagine stacking that on top and just like getting a faster swing instead of like counting it as a reload for every kill you get? I 
don't think that'll work because it does seem pretty specific to reloads but you stack yeah. stack the movement speed of Kiriko's ult on top of the movement speed of the DPS passive when maybe you're playing Genji in Dragon Blade and you get that first kill you pick up speed from the DPS passive and you get to that next kill even faster and then your attack speed is moving faster too that's gonna be devastating and, and, and in true fashion it already is devastating we've seen it work it's pretty it's pretty deadly i mean at least they capped out the movement speed at 75 percent so you can't go any faster than that but even then that's still <laughs> that could still really wreck some shit yeah even yeah even then that's still probably faster than like the lucio speed boosting wager you're still going to close that distance yep speaking of which another little tidbit about the ult it's uh what is it called you you keep some of your speed boost just for a little bit after you leave it you keep the effects of the buff which is pretty cool it doesn't just shut off the minute you leave it so you can walk out of you can walk out of it for a little bit if you need to like maybe get a kill around a corner real quick and then dip back inside and you can i bet you can kind of just alternate like playing with your positioning so you can keep the buff but stay inside the ultimate while like jiggling in and out of it so i think that's gonna think it's gonna be pretty cool and another thing noticed about her from people who've done some testing her teleport grants her invulnerability if you time it correctly because she can dodge a diva bomb with it so that's just another thing I mean, given that she's a support, I think that was kind of like an expected granted for her. Uh, just because, you know, the flexibility is a support. You kind of need the ability to get out of a tough situation and that invulnerability can really save not only you, but like an entire game. Yeah, but... I suppose that kind of lets you know what kind of ability her swift step is because i'm pretty sure you can't avoid a diva bomb with a tracer blink you just die and they're both teleports but i think you can avoid the diva bomb with a sombra translocator throw if you teleport at the right time yeah so so i guess they're treating it more like that than a tracer blink which you know that's important to know because if you were expecting it to function like a tracer blink you think oh I'll blow Kitty-Ko up, even if she tries to teleport away. It's fine. And now you find out that no, you won't. But I think, I think, it's the most important thing here, being her protection, Suzu. And I think after finally seeing it in action, in actual gameplay, I personally can say it's not as OP as people made it out to be. It has a pretty long cooldown, I think in like 15 seconds while only giving you a single second of immortality. That's, I think that's pretty fair. And from what I see, the timing really has to be, it has to be key, because if you miss time it, then you're screwed. And for 15 seconds, you can't stop any ults like Jumper Queen. Can't stop any, um, Ana nades, you're not saving yourself from any rip tires or other random instant death ultimates. So yeah. I think people blew it out of proportion and the uh, protection Suzu is gonna be a fine ability. 
Well, <laughs> I, I guess like when I heard about it personally, I didn't think it was gonna be that OP. But I mean, I'm coming from someone who like doesn't do the like professional scene or whatever. And I mean, I don't. I know Bap's ability can be OP, but like in general, in my games, people don't use it well enough, and hers seems to be on an even shorter like span or whatever. So I feel like it's gonna be more of a skill ability. Definitely, personally, I'd say Bap's ability is OP just in general because you don't actually have to be good with it per se. As long as the enemy team just doesn't shoot at it or you have any inkling of timing on when to use it, you still deny them a lot of a lot of advantage. Sometimes just Bat existing and you knowing he does he hasn't used immortality is enough to just like stop people from doing certain things. Like, oh I don't want to use this ult because I know Bat has immortality and we need to get rid of it. But he'll just hold it until you use something, if he's smart. But I, I know I've had a few of my uh, attempts at killing things ruined just because Baptiste is there and he throws an immortality. So I'd say it's a pretty heavy-handed ability in all ranks. But, I don't know, maybe you don't notice it as much because you don't play DPS as much. And you don't play tank. So, at least from my perspective on both those roles, Bap can be a massive thorn in your side. Yeah, but even with his ability, if you're paying attention, you can kind of shut it down pretty quick just by aiming it for the lantern. Um, and I think that's kind of like the main difference between the two, that there's a way to disable Bap's ability and make it useless. But with Kiriko, it's it's pretty much guaranteed that one second. Yeah, but I mean, I say Baptiste is guaranteed at least like one and a half. Because you're not going to destroy the lamp. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Granted, you can do it very quickly, but you're not going to destroy it immediately unless you're using some instantaneous I kill you ult like D.Va. But at that point, it's like the same timing as Kiriko. Because it's going to explode. And you, you get the exact same amount of protection from playing Kiriko and just throwing the Suzu down at the right time as you would with, with uh, Bap's lamp. Also, that, that that one moment, the time it takes to like readjust to look at the lamp, that could be the moment you die. That's happened to me plenty of times. Like I'll be on someone, and the lamp just drops. And if I'd gotten that kill before the lamp dropped, I'd have been able to move on or something, like swift strike and get out of the way of whatever was about to kill me. But because the lamp dropped, and I had to take a moment to kill it, in that time, my health would just vanish. I suppose there can be like a similar instances with Kiriko, but your focus would still be on her instead of like going somewhere else and maybe getting blindsided by her or the bat doing something. Because that is that's frustrating. Fighting a bat just for him to throw down lamp and then having to fight the bat and the lamp at the same time. At least this way, I only have to fight the Kiriko. I'm not getting jumped by some dude in his autonomous drone. Very true. my opinion on it let's see 
Oh, this is important. Before we move on to, I guess, like the big competitive news, this is important. The Overwatch pre-download began on PC on September 30th. It's a 50 gigabyte download. Just log on to the Blizzard launcher real quick, and it'll pop up. I think at like the top right of the screen, you'll see the little download symbol. Click on that. The download should start. I think actually it just starts when you load up the launcher. But neither here nor there. You do that, you'll start downloading it, and you should be done. And it'll be ready and waiting for you the minute Overwatch is, Overwatch 2 is officially launched. You can just hop in instead of waiting for some long download for no reason. So that's cool. But unfortunately, for the console players, free download begins on console three hours before the launch on October 4th. That, Wait. however, is a 30 gigabyte download instead of a 51. So, slight, slight trade, I guess, but, I mean, what can you do? Unfortunately, Blizzard can't force the consoles to update faster, because they have to go through all that red tape with, the, with like, Microsoft and Sony to make sure things go through. Maybe, maybe we'll get, like, the same time downloads and stuff for console, well, Xbox and PC when Microsoft owns Overwatch, because at that point, there wouldn't be any red tape, right? They're the same company. Hopefully, but I mean, at that point, then like Sony will have to like I don't know catch up, which I don't think they will be able to because Xbox will almost do at that point. But yeah, so that that's the last bit of I guess small news. I guess you can move on to the competitive stuff. So competitive. Got the blog post pulled up already. Released this blog post was from September 28th, 2022. Initializing systems, updating competitive play for Overwatch 2. Since competitive play has been at the heart of Overwatch community for years, and Blizzard has a long-term plan to nurture the game, the game mode far into the future. They're excited to show us their updates coming. In Overwatch 2, the competitive system. And that starts with the goal of the guidance system, but kind of skip some of that. Aside from them saying that the first season should be exciting, which I hope it is. When they're talking about how to unlock competitive, which we already talked about briefly, basically. Oh, there's a little caveat here. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. So, unlocking the pet of Overwatch 2 will not have portrait levels, that's, that's one thing, although you can see them in your career profile, but like just in the game itself, you won't have a portrait level, you won't, it won't show anything there. And all match experience will go towards leveling up the battle pass and, you know, not leveling up your level. So I guess once we start Overwatch 2, whatever level we're at in Overwatch 1 is just our final level maybe? Because if we're not gaining experience to level up that... I got some track. New players who create an Overwatch 2 account on or after October 4th will play through a guided first-time user experience, which we talked about. But to get into competitive, they need to not just win 50 games. They need to complete the entire first-time user experience and win 50 quick play matches before competitive unlocks. Well, ideally, they would have... Uh... 150 matches by the time they finish 
the new player guide experience. True enough, because it says you need to play 100 matches. But just imagine, like somehow they they somehow they win the 50 matches, but the the they still have to do the, the new player experience. Or worse, they fit. Or worse, it's like something where you have to finish the user experience and then win 50 matches. I think they do. I hope they don't do that. That that would be rough. Yeah. That would be rough, but again, that'd be more ways to stop Smurfs. So imagine you play through all of that crap just to have to play through 50 more games. I get it, but I don't think they well, no, 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 want to no, like... I lied. You have to win 50 more games. That could be another 100 matches. Just 200 matches off the bat just to try and get into competitive. The smurfing would die. Yeah, but also their new player base would die. The new players have no business in competitive if they don't know the game in the first place. After 150 matches, I think they they get the right to play. Could be 200, could be 250. Who knows? Jesus. but I mean, a lot of Overwatch is casual, but maybe not. Anyway, all I'm saying is that would be one hell of a smurf deterrent. Although I do see your points. I don't imagine Blizzard did that. But if they did, that's ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a heavy blow. Okay, so this gives new players the time to prepare for higher expectations that come with competitive. While veteran players don't feel discouraged by teammates who have less experience. So that's cool. Next, they talk about the skill tier division. SR is being replaced by skill tier divisions in Overwatch 2. We made the decision to remove SR as a numeric value to relieve the sense of being stuck at a certain rank. Now, based on the wording alone, your SR isn't actually gone. It's just not numbers anymore. So you'll have that to focus on. Seeing your SR go up and down after each match almost felt like taking a test with the teacher passing or failing you based on each individual question rather than your complete work. There's a lot of pressure and it doesn't give players an accurate representation of how they're performing overall and competitive. That's true. Uh, I'd say the SR system before, it was kind of just some added anxiety, being annoyed that your SR went down and getting kind of pissed for no reason. What you guys think of it? I don't remember if we talked about that before. I never really used the system personally. I mean, you use it whenever you play comp. I mean, in the sense of like caring and like paying attention to it or anything like that. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Mina? It can be really annoying, but at the same time, it also. With the numbers, you could also tell if you were doing better than your actual um, rank because you would see a larger increase every time you won a game it, as opposed to when you lost the game. And, you know, that did work vice versa. If you were playing like shit, you lost more SR points. So it did give you kind of a more accurate reading per game. But at the same time, it is kind of true. It's not... It was judging you per game and how you were doing it in a single instance. You could have just been having a bad game or it could have been a really rough team comp where there was no synergy and getting judged on that alone does, doesn't really make sense for the entirety of it. Or it could have been a really rough day because I've had those days where you're just like, you're just 
catching the L's to the face at every given moment. Just ridiculous losses. Yeah, sometimes those and those streaks will get you, they'll get in your head and you want to play until you win, but you don't, so you just lose more SR. Yeah, I can kind of see why they would take it away. It, it can be detrimental. But it is what it is. It's gone now. So basically they're gonna go on to say tier still exists in Overwatch, bronze through Grandmaster is still there, but each tier will have five divisions rank five divisions ranking from five lowest to one highest. As you progress through each tier, your division will count down until you rank up to the next tier. Top 500 will not have tier divisions, which I would think duh. It's top 500. Your tier division is being number one or number 500. That's good enough for them. Tier divisions represent the same skill levels as SR, which I kind of said earlier. They give players a higher level view of where they're placed in competitive. Each division represents approximately a 100 SR range, which is the same as the current things with SR. Because once you, once you, SR is now like each rank is like 500 SR. So the divisions are literally just the same thing. I kind of wonder if, oh, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was just gonna say, I kind of wonder if, uh, since we're expecting a larger player base, if we'll get more consistent, like getting more in your own. A lot of times in comp, especially at the lower ranks, you, even though I'm placing gold right now, I'll still end up in matches that have both silver and bronze players, and that'll be reflected on the enemy team as well. So I'm like, is this that issue? Because every time I do see that, I'm like, yo, what's going on? And I immediately get. It's the mindset of, I know he's going to need more help, and I know he's probably going to bring us in. I mean, I imagine that will be fixed to some degree just by having more players, yeah. Of course, they, we have to wait for them to get into comp. But for the most part, well, hopefully the returning players come back too. And then yeah. therefore, you know, they, they just automatically have everything because they still have Overwatch, technically. But yeah, that hopefully, hopefully it does get fixed by having the more players because yeah, comp can be annoying sometimes. Like, I thought it was, I used to think it was kind of cool when you see the same people in comp, like, but that was like when I was looking at people in GM play, which I guess at that point it's kind of cool because you know that you're just such like part of a such select small group of people. But when I start seeing some of the same names in quick play easily, oh, that's not a good sign. Because not quick play, um, comp. That's not a good sign because like I'm just plat, and I know that's still technically above average, but it's not so far above average that I would would expect such a drop off in players where I just see the same people. But I have, yeah. So yeah, I'm really yeah. hoping for the new players to show up, and make the make the games more fun again, and just less stale overall yeah and i for sure noticed that happening too especially in console play well you'll not only get the same player match after match but you'll log on the next fucking day and get that same asshole tank who does not how to keep from yesterday yeah, you just turned so robotic i think blizzard was trying to censor you <laughs> blizzard how dare you that's right i'm calling you out 
I'm sick and tired of seeing the exact same people in my matches. What is going on? Yo, every time you try to say it, you get robotic blizzards on your Blizzard! <laughs> Stop <laughs> censoring me. That was hilarious. I'm gonna start naming names at this point. <laughs> who do you think it is? Who who at Blizzard is doing this? Oh, I don't know who at Blizzard. I was just gonna talk shit about the players. The minute you said you were gonna talk shit about the player, you went robotic again. <laughs> oh my god, Blizzard, please. <laughs> Stop censoring women. Again. Yo, this is ridiculous. I've never, I've never encountered this robotic glitch with such perfect timing. Oh god. Okay, I need to recover. Where were we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> here it is. Players will receive a competitive update every seven wins. Or 20 losses instead of every single game. Competitive updates will show your progress and adjust your division. If necessary, looking at the past 7 or 20 games as a collective helps you better understand how you're performing competitive rather than putting a ton of pressure on each individual game. We want you to feel like you're improving and being rewarded for advancing from the first day you start playing competitive in Overwatch 2. I don't really know how I feel about that. I don't know if I want to have to play through seven games or lose 20 games to to see my uh, like my rank change or anything or to have it update me about something. And does that and does that mean that you just do you drop a rank if you lose 20 games or go up a rank if you win seven, which if that's the case, I think it's entirely unbalanced and that doesn't make sense. Or is it just going to like when do you know you rank up like does it hide it from you until you win seven games or lose 20 games what what goes on there this is how you know you've written a terrible article and we have this many questions uh, i mean blizzard isn't used to communicating let's just be honest this is new to them they're, they're learning how to walk they just started learning within the like last week <laughs> oh yeah, man! They, they they went from walking to running within a week, and they're tripping now. Just a little. I mean, all the articles are calling them out for the first time user experience, but I don't think those people have really played. There was this one article where this guy it sounded stupid. He was like, "As a person with one thousand hours on Overwatch One, the first time user experience is horrible." Duh, bro, you. <laughs> You have a thousand hours. Of course it's horrible to you. You went from having all the heroes to deliberately taking them all away from yourself. That's entirely different from having nothing and getting something. That was the stupidest comment. Whatever, whatever. Ignoring that guy. Wasn't that the PC Gamer article? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Oh my god. Foolishness next little segment is they have the match focus UI. We're making some, some changes to the competitive UI based on feedback that we've seen in the community. 
portrait borders that symbolize player level are going away from all game modes in Overwatch 2, which we talked about, and competitive skill tiers will no longer be displayed for each competitive match. So you won't know if your teammates are bronze anymore, Mina, just by default. Thanks. You, you won't know if you, the enemy team also has a stacked team of top 500 players, which, you know, they shouldn't, but you wouldn't know. That, that would be absolutely disrespectful. If I get if I get matched up with a team that even has one top five hundred player, I'm I'm quitting. I'm quitting that game. It's over. Imagine. Because I know I'm gonna get my ass whooped. Yes, we all would. <laughs> you're, you're just gonna have to like start recognizing people's names. Just like I've seen you, and I've seen that particular uh, name tag thing. But, uh, so yeah, competitive skill tiers will no longer be displayed for each competitive match. Skill tier and division are completely aligned with matchmaking rating we use to determine matches. Uh, I guess that makes sense, or otherwise, you know, we wouldn't get bronze players. Although that's usually because they're in a team with someone who's like gold, and that's how they get into the games, but that's besides the point. To this end, this screen has been redesigned so you can instead display your name cards and titles. That's another new thing we're getting. Titles. So, the introduction of this new scoreboard will help you identify your team's needs and adjust your strategy accordingly. We're removing medals from the scoreboard because they were too arbitrary to paint an accurate picture of a player's contributions to their team. Our goal with this new scoreboard is to communicate information about how the match is progressing in a more open and transparent way. We got to see some of the scoreboard and like gameplay. It looks okay. In the article they have a picture. So it looks pretty good. What's it showing? It it shows the same things like it shows uh, like the respawn timers. You see That's uh, it, it shows it should show the respawn timers when someone's dead. Yeah, it does. You see the ult timer, ult charge for your team. You get to see the eliminations, assists, and deaths as usual. And you get to see the damage, healing, and damage mitigation stats. But in the beta, they had those two things like on either side of the screen, like left and right. Now they're stacked. Your team is on top, and the enemy team is on bottom. But to the to the right side of that, you have your hero. It'll have a little portrait of them. It'll show your final blows, your solo kills, and it'll show things like your weapon accuracy, your red hit accuracy, and like little minute things about your hero. Like in this example, it's using Junkrat. So it shows concussion mine kills, three enemies trapped, and three riptide kills. So, you know, it shows a little information about that. So not too different, kind of like from what you see in Overwatch currently, but very different looking because of the way they changed the UI. I did see that um, when we were playing some, when we were watching some of the uh, gameplay and I thought it looked nice. Um, almost, I almost like it better than the way it is in Overwatch currently. Uh, seems like it just is more pleasing to the eye, the way they have it laid out. I definitely agree with that. I also think it lets you see kind of your progress like your contribution easier just because 
they're so large on the screen in comparison to everything else. Okay, next we got placement matches in season one. The placement system from past competitive seasons is changing in Overwatch 2. Instead of playing five matches without a rank, you'll be unranked until your first competitive update after the first seven wins or 20 losses. You can now expect to start in lower skill tier divisions after placement matches and progress the ranks throughout the season. All players that were ranked in competitive prior to Overwatch 2 will have their rank modified post-launch, so I guess it is a soft rank reset, which at least they're doing something. I think I still would have preferred like a hard one where it's just the rank is just completely reset. I'm sure the games would be wonky for a little bit when that happened, but still, I think I would have preferred it. It is what it is. So yeah, all players that were ranked in Overwatch competitive prior to Overwatch 2 will have their rank modified post-launch. Overwatch 2 is a very different game, so we applied a formula and that gives returning players an opportunity to redefine their rank when they dive into updated competitive. Says most players will find their ranks like lower when they start, or they'll since they'll be learning new concepts and stuff. But players who got to learn more about the game in our betas or people who follow the Overwatch League may find themselves ranked higher than ever. I don't know about all that because there still comes into play. I mean, their skill still comes into play, but it's what it is. Yeah, but we're probably going to have like an influx of new players being stacked at the bottom, just kind of like building that up. True. Uh, next here, we have the game reports. They're introducing a new section to the career profile where you can find your replays and highlights, further enabling you to learn and grow from your gameplay experience. I don't know what they mean by new section. You already find our replays here. Maybe they just need the highlight part since you don't find your highlights in your uh, career profile usually. But whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out when the game actually launches. Maybe it's like making highlights visible to other members, not just to yourself without posting it. We're adding a new feature called Game Reports under the History tab in your career profile. Game Reports provide a detailed summary of all the matches played in your current session of Overwatch. How detailed is this summary? These reports show you an overview of all the matches in your current session broken down by game mode. Opening a match will further expand your stats, including an overview of how you played, which heroes you used, and other match information. Oh, I think they have a yeah, they have a little example here. It shows a picture of King's Row, a victory screen that says the final score of the game, the date of the game. It tells you the game mode and the game list. You can review the, you can view the replay, and it also shows your total performance. It has a little example here of 14 eliminations, 21 assists, and five deaths, and the heroes played, which were Baptiste and Baptiste and Anna. Even show the percent you played them in the game, and then uh, like shows that visually in the playtime as well. Pretty interesting. Clicking on heroes played will expand on your stats and other handy information from each match's scoreboard. For example, if you play Ana during a match, your personal stats will show by auto grenade kills, enemy slept, and nano boost assists. Likewise, other heroes will have specific statistics to give you a detailed report on how you perform a hero. So those even further, you click on the hero and then you get in 
go into another screen which shows even more detailed information about them and not just like how long you played them. And in a future update, they'll have your recently played matches persist across sessions, meaning even if you log off, you can jump back on and review them at a later time. They're also introducing a timeline feature to check out key moments from the match and review the final result of the scoreboard. That seems like it's going to be pretty cool for people who actually like compare about, care about competitive and want to improve. I definitely want to give Blizzard their props for um, at least like doing a lot of the little things that'll just make the game better overall. I know like people always are looking for the big like shiny updates, but it's the small stuff like just making the game easier to navigate and play that really make for like a smooth, um, easy gameplay uh, experience. Yeah. article here only a few things left and i'd say two of them don't really well one of them doesn't really matter to us at least not us because it is the top 100 leaderboards they will largely remain the same separated by info pool you still need to complete 25 games for any given role in roll queue or 50 games in open queue the combined roll queue leaderboard requires you to complete at least 25 matches top 500 leaderboards unlock two weeks in the start of each new season and across platform players can view the separate leaderboards by input pool. I don't really know why that matters, because if you're on console, it doesn't matter if you see the PC top 100, you can't fight them. And now there's another thing here, skill decay and competitive. Our team has also been considering how to approach players who have not played Overwatch recently. Players who haven't played recently are less likely to maintain their actual prior skill output in a match. To help account for this and make matches fair, players who haven't played in a while will find their internal matchmaking rating lower to help us reevaluate and determine their current skill level. We'll also adjust their internal matchmaking rating more quickly, up or down, as they play matches after returning. Returning players will therefore quickly get back to their appropriate skill tier and division as they continue to play. So it's like, sounds like, like an invisible skill decay when you like don't play the game for a while they don't specify how long that takes unfortunately like do you get still decay after one week two a month five days three days who knows that would be that should be information that was in here i think but it's not definitely important to know yeah uh, but now we're just gonna have to find out when the game launches or not find out if you <laughs> say if that really want to find out <laughs> not really but i'm probably not gonna have a choice with the midterms coming up I feel that i start i start my boot camp monday Congrats. I can imagine thank you i can imagine i'm gonna be busy and i might screw up and not be able to play for a little bit but uh yes competitive rewards competitive season will be aligned with our overall seasonal schedule Including the battle pass, we're removing the commemorative sprays and icons players earned each season, including the top 500 sprays and icons. That's disappointing. Now I have nothing to commemorate top 500. Okay, well that's a lie. I think they're like they're probably gonna mention that title thing here. We're introducing new limited competitive titles. Yep, for your name card that you can earn as you climb the ranks. These titles will be a way to show off to other players how high you climbed in season 
can only earn these titles at the end of the current competitive season and only use them in the season following. Kinda sucks that they're only temporary, but I guess that's fair. Like if you made top 500 and you get a title for it, you shouldn't keep that title unless you make top 500 again in the next season. Competitive points will continue to be the reward currency for winning competitive matches, rewarding 15 points for a win and 5 for a draw. Earning 3k points allows you to unlock the golden weapon for any Overwatch hero, including new heroes like Sojourn, Jumper Queen, and Kiko. However, we'll be capping the number of bonus competitive points earned at the end of a season to the highest skill tier you reach in any of your roles, including open queue. Now, one thing about this, aside from earning competitive points by actually playing competitive, well, you still have to do that, but by winning competitive games, if you complete the challenges within competitive, because there are those, we saw some of them in uh, some of the videos we've watched from the other content creators, if you complete challenges, you get competitive points for completing those challenges. So that's cool. So, you know, maybe you don't have to just be really good and win games to get your golden gun. But do you deserve the golden gun if you don't win games? Mm. And lastly, this is the end of the article, Evolving the Competitive Experience. These changes are the beginning of our new competitive experience in Overwatch and we'll continue to watch for ways to deliver fair and exciting matches in our core game mode. Upcoming features include a skill progression report each time you get a competitive update. We can't wait for each session, for each season, to provide a new chapter for everyone looking to grow their skills. And our team looks forward to all the changes coming to competitive in Overwatch 2. That's the end. It seems like a lot of changes coming to competitive. So that's going to be really cool. And I yeah, personally can't wait for it. Because maybe I can finally dive back into competitive again. But, unless you two have anything else to contribute, I'd say that's just the end of the episode. I mean, I really am looking up for the soft... Looking up, looking forward to the soft reset of that compet. Because honestly it's what I play the majority of the time because people tend to take the matches a little more seriously um, but it often gets really frustrating with a lot of things I mentioned earlier so I'm looking forward to being able to you know get a, a fresh perspective on it I feel that I want to play competitive more but I don't really like solo queuing that much anymore and unfortunately uh, there have been some PC issues with my duo partner, so I can't really just play competitive with them like that anymore. It is what it is. But maybe I'll maybe I'll start trying to solo queue again, or maybe I'll just have more people to play competitive with. Period. When Overwatch Two comes out, and it won't be a problem anymore. But yeah, uh, aside from that, any final thoughts? Rip Overwatch One. It's, it's been real. Yeah. All right. Three days away. It's one day away, my guy. It dies tomorrow. Oh, You're talking about yeah, Overwatch One. Overwatch guy. One dying. Yeah, that's tomorrow. Never mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm fast forwarding to the launch of Overwatch Two. Yeah, he's already that's like crazy. just buried it and walked away. He doesn't care. <laughs> he's already in the ground. 
three days is when it rises from the ashes, hopefully like a beautiful phoenix. Yes, hopefully. But yeah, so that's it. Rip Overwatch. You will not be missed. Uh, well, maybe Overwatch will be missed, but Goats, you will not be missed. Ever. And uh, that's it. Say goodbye to the people. Bye, everyone. Hi, everyone. If you see me in uh, Overwatch, my name is Michi, M-I-C-H-I. Say hi. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. It's a nice rhyme scheme. Yeah. If you see me in Overwatch, my name is Thinking, T-H-I-N-K, capital K, I-N-G. I don't think I've changed it in Overwatch. I need to do that. I need to put the one in there instead of that I. <laughs> but besides that, that it's been a good episode talk about a lot of stuff and we'll see you guys in the next one peace